Higher Things thanks you for your support. Please continue to support the work we do with youth by going to our website at higherthings.org, clicking on support and donating securely through PayPal. Your gift helps us in our mission to support pastors, youth workers, and parents in daring our church's youth to be Lutheran. Alrighty, it's another Gospel Boldly One-Shot. I am your host, Pastor Eric Brown. Not with us tonight is uh, Thomas Lumpke, my my good, faithful, diligent co-host, who is also a diligent full-time worker in the community and also a dad and life happens. We were going to record tonight, and I got the text uh, saying, yeah, things have blown up at work, I'm going to be late. If we try to record after I get home, my wife will flay me. All right, so we're not recording tonight, and I said, and the next day didn't work, and so I'm like, okay, here, we, we've got some stuff done, give me a one-shot topic, and I'll talk for a bit, I'll record. It'll be like a very extended version of the backwards life. And so he sends back to me, I'm, I'm going to look at the text, he says, if you have the gumption, a one-shot on the vocation of student might be timely. Oh, yeah, we're all going to school. All right, cool. My, my son, Victor, starting kindergarten. He's been in it for a week. Uh-huh. That were the two great commandments, love God and love your neighbor. So we're going to talk about those two topics and how they intertwine. But I want to start at the back end uh, with, with the, the two great commandments. Uh, Jesus is asked, teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, so on and so forth. But there's a second like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that like unto it is a a stronger thing. It doesn't just mean similar. But it means that the very way, the very technique, the, the way you show love to God is by loving your neighbor. In fact, I would I would contend that there is no way that we show love to God that doesn't involve our neighbor somehow. Um, first of all, let, let's start with the very big picture. I mean, when Jesus demonstrates his love for the Father, what does he do? He, he dies for us. He shows love to us. His perfect obedience to God always benefits us. Jesus loves and obeys the Father, and so he heals the sick. He, he preaches the word. He points to salvation. He, he takes care of people. And ultimately, he dies upon the cross. For God shows his love for us in this, that, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Well, that, that love for us is also the love he has for the Father. The two are utterly tied. Sometimes we can talk or, or treat God in a very abstract way as though God is somewhere up there, and, and oh, I love him. And I love him because I'll think about him. Ah, or maybe I'll, I'll write a nice little poem about him, or what have you, what have you. And, and we treat God at a distance. We, we, we push him far away. And actually, 
that, that's where our sinful flesh likes God to be. Our old sinful flesh loves to hide from God. That, that's what Adam and Eve did when they, after they'd sinned. <laughs> Once you have sin thrown into the mix with us human beings, we want to run from God. They hear God coming. They don't go interact with him. They, they hide from him. And they also turn on each other. The two are interrelated. <clears throat> we are physical beings. We, we have bodies. And, and that's, that's a good thing. That's how we were made to be. We're, we're tangible people. We're of, of the senses of... We're, we're not just abstractions. We're, we're concrete reality. I, I, can, I can touch my body. I can, I can see my neighbor. I, I, I can rustle my kid's hair. God made us that way. And he directed our service. Our love to him was always directed towards other aspects, other elements, other things in creation. Before the fall, when God put Adam in the garden, Adam demonstrated his love for God by tending the garden into which God had placed him, by tending the wife whom God had given him, and so on and so forth. And yet what happens right after the fall? Well, first of all, Adam's not tending the plants. He's pulling leaves off of them to make clothing. And second of all, he's throwing his wife under the bus. His disdain of God, his sin, because all sin is the disdain of God, automatically had to turn into a disdain of his neighbor, had to turn into a, a way where he looked down upon his neighbor. Our service to God is never abstraction because God, we're, we're not just, God has not made us thought bubbles just floating around where we do things by doing thought bubbles. No, he's made us living, breathing people who do things for other living, breathing people. So the way you show love to God is by showing love to your neighbor. Uh, this is the, the last story he tells in the book of Matthew before he goes on to his passion. Whatsoever you've done to the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. The, the way we show love to God is by showing love to the people he has placed into our lives. And even, even things that we normally think about as, as spiritual aren't just by ourselves. Jesus says, wherever two or three of you are gathered in my name, there I will be. When we pray, even if we pray by ourselves, we're not really by ourselves and just for ourselves. Uh, consider, Paul mentions that the, uh, the Spirit within us, the Holy Spirit, prays with groanings too deep for words, when, when we don't just say. Or, or we pray, our Father. Even when I am by myself, I pray, our Father. Why? Because I'm never alone. I'm, I'm never isolated. It's never just me and my God. It's always my God and our God. Because God has said it's not good for man to be alone. He puts us in community, puts us around other people to love each other. Our service to God always manifests itself in service to our neighbor. And that means it's, always, it's not always great or glorious. It's normally the simple humdrum things of life. I, I picked up my son from the bus stop. Okay, well, that's actually service to God, because guess what? God gave me that son, and it's my job as his dad to see that he gets on the bus and then gets home off the bus. Okay, that, that, 
that's actually a divine, holy thing because I'm doing precisely what God has given me to do. This is where we get the idea of vocation. It's a great word. Not vacation. Vacation means to leave something, to vacate. Uh, Vocation comes from the word vocal, which means to call, vocat. And, And it's our callings, the things that God has created us to do. Um, are the duties, the obligations, the, the relationships we find ourselves in, because our vocations are always relational. I am a pastor, which means I have a congregation that I relate to. I am a father. That means I have a son that I relate to. I'm a husband, which means I have a wife I relate to. I'm a son, which means I have parents that I relate to. I live in a community, which means I've got other people who commonly live around me, too. These are all relational. And the fact that I am put into a relationship determines how I go about comporting myself, how I go about approaching those relationships. And I don't look down on them, even if they don't look grand or great. So often we want to serve God, we think it needs to be with something big or giant or... No, no. A lot of times our service to God is just something simple, mundane, and everyday. Which leads me to a vocation that I enjoyed for many, many years, and many of you are... uh, I'm, I'm putting up air quotes, enjoying right now, that of being a student. Okay. Some people love school and learning, some people don't. I get it. Either way but I want you to think about how being a student is for the benefit of your neighbor. Think of the other individuals that you work with, that that God places into your life as a student. Well, one is your teacher. Uh, As a student, you relate to your teacher. And and being a good student means you, well, don't mess with the teacher teacher that much. Let the teacher do their job. Make, make the teacher's job easy. This is one of the things that comes up in, a, in the scriptures. Another word for pastor is teacher. Um, well, the old Hebrew word for, for teacher is rabbi. So they're, they're used to the idea of, of a, a spiritual teacher. And one of the things that gets pointed out is, uh, hey, uh, folks in the congregation, don't, don't make things hard on your pastor because then it's harder for him to do his job for you. So, so you know, show them respect and all that. As a student, part of it is to be a good, to be a good student, to, to not give the teacher a hard time. Teaching is often hard because a lot of times, if you are a teacher, you're doing it because you love something. Now I'm thinking main, I, I'm thinking now in part of college or, or even in in high school where where if you are a history teacher, chances are you might be a history teacher because you loved history and you want to share these things and you walk into the class and what do you look? You look up and you see 20 kids going and could care less. So often students rain on their teachers parade on the things they love. And that makes it hard to teach. So one, I'd say try to be respectful of your teacher and show a little interest. Uh, hint for any of you who are going off into college. One of the things that you'll come across, depending on the college you go to, is you'll end up having these giant lecture classes where there will be like 200 kids in and a lot of like your freshman level classes, they'll dump everyone in and, and such. 
A simple way that you can brighten your teacher's day? Ask them a question that shows that you paid attention. That lets them go deeper into a topic they enjoy. Because if they enjoy talking about subject X, if you give them an opportunity to talk more about that subject, that makes their day brighter. Uh, conversely, get your work done. I, I, it's just... May, may, they have to grade you. Teachers have to... That, that's part of their job. They must evaluate you. Make it so they can evaluate you as easily as possible. Hey, make their job easier. All right, so that, that's one aspect. As a student, you relate to your teacher, but also you relate to other students. Unless you are getting direct one-on-one -on -one tutoring, I've gotten to do that a few times, or be on the receiving end of that a few times, you've got other students that you have to deal with. Part of your vocation as a student is helping your fellow students be students. Now, that can be like the, the, you know, try not to distract them, all that type of stuff. But also, you know, if you be a good neighbor, if you see a student is totally bummed out or distracted, see if something's going on in their life. If they're, if they're struggling with something, be a, be a good, kind neighbor to them. Because that way, that's going to help them get what they're supposed to get out of school. Uh, get what they're supposed to get out of learning. If you see someone being picked on, you don't pick on them. You, you defend them. You, you support them. You lift them up. That's what we do. That's part of your vocation of student. Not just, oh, you learn, but it's also you help the classroom. You, you help the environment be better. Ooh, in fact, God has put you in that classroom to help that classroom be a better place. This is a good and holy thing. When you just help keep things calm, that's a good and holy thing. When you, I don't want to say encourage class clowns, but 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 if the teacher's looking for energy and you help add energy to the discussion, that's a good and godly thing. These are all wonderful things that God uses us to do when we're students. But then also just uh, another thing to think about in the, the even broader aspect is a lot of what goes on for you as a student now is preparation for the rest of your life. And yes, why uh, why do we need to know this? When am I going to use it? Well, you'll be surprised how things pop on up. Might not be something you use every day, but uh, there will be times where it pops out. You're being prepared for the rest of your life. And, a and that's a life where you are going to have to interact with other people, just like you do in a classroom, where, where sometimes you'll have to be able to listen and focus to things that maybe aren't the most interesting. Sometimes like a classroom, we all had subjects we didn't particularly like. You're going to be put into situations where you're going to have to take in information and be prepared to put it back in a different form. Maybe not in a test, but take information that your boss gave you and then be able to explain it to a customer over there. Well, that, that's not the same thing as taking a test, but really it is. It's just your teacher's not grading you then, the customer is. And they're grading you by whether or not they understand what they're getting and buy your product or what have you. So in many ways, being a student is practice for the, the, the interactions with information that you're going to do as an adult. That you're going to be doing the rest of your life. And so, you know, it's good for you. Th this time of being a student is 
a gift and a blessing God has given you to prepare you for all the other things he's going to set up for you down the road for the next 40, 50, 60, 80 years of your life. Because what it is, is he's preparing you to be an agent of his love. He is preparing you to drop you into various places, into different relationships, into different communities, into different interactions, where because he has brought you to faith and made you to love him, he will pour his love upon you and you will in turn go and love these people that he has put you into their lives. The people whom he has put into your life. Yeah, that works better on grammar. My, my English teacher, Mr. Green, would have been happy with that correction. So this is that whole thing. It all ties together. And yes, this is true even for the boring class you don't like. Because you know what? <laughs> they, they have a happy phrase, adulting. Oh, I can't. I don't even want to adult today. Well, guess what? A lot of adulting things is boring. I, I hate to tell you that. Life isn't always interesting. Got to be able to take care of things like that. Sometimes life is socially awkward and there's peer pressure. Guess what? You're learning how to deal with that. All these things are, are God preparing you for other things. Oh, I'm going to give kind of a dour example that I wasn't planning on. When I was in second grade, I had a classmate die. Not just a classmate, the gal I had a crush on. I, I, I will tell my, my story. So I went to a little Lutheran day school, and, and um, we were in choir, which was at the end of the day, and I couldn't, sing, couldn't carry a tune uh, not in a bucket, I, a horrible voice. And and this gal that I liked asked me if I liked her. And I froze and I got nervous and I murmured. And so I went home that night. I'm like, ah, I'll go talk to her tomorrow. And I get to school the next day. And there comes the class clown around the corner going, oh, yeah, did you hear? She died in a fire. I'm like, yeah, sure, right. And then I saw further down the corner, my teacher, Mrs. Stern, turn around the corner and she was in tears. I'm like, oh, oh, this actually did happen. Now, it took a lot to go through that. I was very glad to be at a, a good uh, Lutheran school, had many faithful pastors. Um, the, the song we were working on inquires Children of the Heavenly Father, which is a, a great hymn. Though he giveth or he taketh, God his children ne'er forsaketh. This is why this is why good hymns are a blessing. Uh, that, that the reality of that hymn hit home. And that, yeah, yeah, she's died. But you know what? That that's harder on us than it is with for her, at least now, because she is with Christ Jesus her Lord. Fantastic. And you know what? That actually prepped me for when my grandmother died later on that year. Died young of, of horrible young lung cancer, but it prepped me. And then I moved on. Dad went to seminary. And when I was in seventh grade, a classmate died there. And I was actually prepared to help other people get through that. Then my dad graduates from seminary. And I move out to Nebraska. And there, a guy a year ahead of me, a, a sophomore when I was a freshman, dies in a car accident. And for a lot of my friends, this was the first time anyone they knew died. And again, what was what I, I was prepared to go give them the comfort of Christ and the resurrection because I, I I'd been through things like that before. I'd been prepared. You're being prepared for things. 
and even the hardships you go through are preparing you for other things where you will get to be a comfort and aid to other people when they go through hardship. And okay, I guess I just compared school to a hardship. I hope you enjoy school. I, my, my other general advice, especially as you move on in schooling to where you get to start picking and choosing your electives or, or when you're going to go on, what, what vocational school do I want to go to? What college do I want to go to? What do I want to do? Find something you enjoy and, and go, go do it and figure out a way that it serves your neighbor and a way that you get paid for it. <laughs> That's the way our economy works. That's a good thing to do. But know that you are being prepared for things by God. And your service, your devotion to God is demonstrated, is acted out through being prepared in this way. So that's what I've got for tonight. Uh, Everyone, have a good day. Enjoy the gifts that God gives you, his, his gifts of the vocation of student, his gifts of the people he puts into your life for you to serve and love, even if they're annoying. And most importantly, the gift of forgiveness and life that he gives you in Christ Jesus when you focus a little bit too much on how annoying they are and when the vocations you have grind against you a little much. Yeah, that happens. Your sinful flesh rebels against things. But you know what? Christ Jesus' love for you never fails. And his perfect love for the Father is shown forth in his perfect love for you, whereby he goes to the cross, dies, and rises for you. And you know what? Yeah, we struggle now for a bit. The day is going to come when we are raised from the dead and we will perfectly love as well because we will be as he is, utterly and perfectly and totally. Why? Because the gospel is a wonderful, powerful thing. Have a great day, everyone. Take care. Blessings in Christ.